This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Happy Monday, Happy Jim McAllister. Happy Monday to you. What a day yeah. it has been. Yeah. And we started off on a high note with a $5 super sticker from Doug Koch. Thank you so much for that. What How a way to levels? start. Happy Monday. Levels? You sound good. Do I sound okay? Yeah, you sound okay. Okay, yeah. Um, we are so <laughs> happy you. to have you. The party's starting now. You're so mean. I'm Everything. Mean. <laughs> not like we have a sound engineer. Still, somehow That's true. we manage. If we're too hot, we're just going to stay too hot. Too That's hot. That's the way baby. it goes. Too hot. Mm. Well, it is Monday on the After Party Live. Thank you to Doug for starting us off the right way. We appreciate that. Let's start with this story out of San Francisco because we talk a lot about cruise and waymo and robo taxis here and apparently they got a big shakeup in san francisco i guess yeah cruise uh tried to go on autopilot and uh mm-hmm. didn't work out for them the ceo kyle voigt uh do you say voigt voigt vote you vote for vote mm-hmm. kyle vote resigns as ceo of uh, robo taxi company cruise um, this happened yesterday uh, as questions build about the safety of self-driving cars they've really like imploded yeah they um, have. yeah <laughs> escalated quickly as the kids say um and now i have a large luckies ad on the top of my story thank you luckies um three's a crowd and so is a pop-up ad uh it was announced <laughs> late sunday following a recent recall of 950 cruise vehicles uh you know they said they needed to update their software that's no reason to like they can update software without pulling the cars right they're all wireless or they could do them while they're parked overnight you know uh, like yeah. you update your iphone when it's charging uh obviously th- there's stuff going on behind the scenes uh it's kind of a major meltdown but um i just wanted to mention it since we had well, been covering cruise i would think that with all the trouble they've had now they're not just pulling cars from san francisco they're pulling no, them from whole... every market yeah right and so this guy is in charge of it all he's out he yeah he, they say resign but that probably means quit or be fired well they're right? owned by gm so you know yeah. gm's like okay we gave you your rope and you hung yourself that's it uh, you're done and dragged, you're out. And dragged a woman mm-hmm. down the street but anyway i just wanted to mention that since we are uh, keeping track of the uh the cruise saga they are no longer cruising yeah yeah they're no longer cruising through san francisco <laughs> or anywhere else for that matter meet me um we'll head over toward animals because i guess this is a rare sighting this is something that we only have seen in books but now we know it's real so there's it's something you've never seen before nothing like this nothing like this never been anything like this you've never seen a unicorn before never unicorns are real a unicorn Mm. caught on trail camera in arizona at a national park uh they put unicorn in quotes. That's just mean. This is an actual <laughs> unicorn. This is at the uh, Petrified Forest National Park. A yearling ma- male elk has uh, prematurely lost one of his antlers. Oh. The park said in a Facebook post that the, the male elk typically grow their first set of antlers as single beams. <laughs> Not high beams, single beams. <laughs> and the elk recorded by the trail camera had apparently lost one of his. The shedding of antlers typ- typically occurs in late winter or early spring, but early antler loss, uh, maybe he needs like a propecia or something like that, minoxidil, can result from sparring, poor nutrition, disease injuries that affect the testosterone levels. Oh, so, no. Yeah. Ask your doctor <laughs> if you have low elk testosterone. Uh, it was recorded on a nighttime, uh, during a nighttime stroll under the full moon. And um, park officials, of course, joking that it's the mythical creature, the unicorn. 
the full moon brings out the park's unicorns. And we have another photo here. Um, with the next full moon occurring on November 27th, we'll be sure to watch out for Pegasus, Pegasi, yeah, whatever the plural term so. is for flooring, for flying horses, the officials wrote. Yeah. So there you go. There's Very your unicorn cute. for the day. I never thought I would think that um, mountain lions were cute, but let me tell you. When they're not eating you. Then they're not eating you. They're pretty, the baby <laughs> ones are always cute. The grown-up ones, not so cute when they're coming oh, at you. you can, but you can see it in his eyes. Look her how eyes. cute. This is um one of two orphaned female mountain lion cubs. Yeah. That apparently, because they don't have anyone to take care of them, have been taken over to the Oakland Zoo. So they will now be uh at the Oakland Zoo after they were found off of Interstate 280, right near Hillsborough, Burlingame area. You know that the is. Uh, I do. Yes. There are many Whole Foods in this area. Oh, look, people, when people take care of these little creatures, it's so sweet. There was an adult female mountain lion who was believed to have been the cub's mother was hit by a car and killed. So this was on November 9th, leaving these two orphaned. uh, The people in the area reported seeing these two small kittens alone. They were later found safe by a back someone's backyard. They're about six to ten weeks old. They weigh five pounds uh, and five pounds eight ounces the, each one. Half um, the size of an ar- ar- less than half the size of an Archie. Yeah, These are sweet and cute. Um, they were rescued. They were transported to the Oakland Zoo, and now this is where they will stay. They're being. But look at those eyes. Here. Those are the eyes of like I'm biding my time. So, yeah, yes, <laughs> until I, yes. until I can bite your face Excellent. off. Feed me, feed me. The zoo says they're expected to remain in their the, what they have an animal ICU there until they're cleared. And then they'll be moved to a holding area at the zoo's vet hospital. They don't know where they will go, if they will stay at the zoo or not, because these kittens are young. So apparently they lack survival skills right. that they would have been taught by their mother. So they can't return to the wild. Is no, what they're they'll, thinking. They'll have to yeah. stop by Whole Foods. So <laughs> they're going to have to be, they're going to have to be um, restored to full health, and then they'll have an enclosure at the zoo, likely. Have you ever seen a mountain lion in person, like up up close? I have not. Have you? We saw one on a hike, uh, Boy Scout camp out at oh. uh, I think it was Camp uh, Tamarancho. No, no, it was way up. Uh, oh. Anyway, in Mendocino County, I think, and uh, we're on this long hike to a creek. And it's like a flat trail, but we see this mountain lion and we, I think we put our arms up cause you're supposed to look big right. and it ran, it ran up the hill. Um, so it wasn't, it, it did not want to mess with us and we didn't want to mess with it. No, so no. We left on you good terms. You're in their territory, right? Yeah. yeah. Knit one pearl one says I've only seen one wild cat up the coast from Santa Cruz in Swanton. The beautiful animal looked at us, turned around and walked off. Yeah. Wow pretty crazy yeah um you don't want to mess with any creature that big even if they you know even if they're like cats they still you know they have teeth (laughs) they have claws ms organic says mountain lions would sun in the canyon below my apartment in san carlos all the time interesting um yeah so let's see this next uh story that we have is about little guys being sold uh, in stores, that's right. Union Square's pet adoptions are back. Um, have you ever seen this down at? Uh, down yeah, they Union have. Square? Don't they usually have? It's the Macy's window where yeah, they dedicated to Union Square. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the SPCA thirty uh, seventh annual holiday windows at Macy's Union Square, and uh, the San Francisco SPCA is where I take Archie for all his uh, services. Because I feel like if I'm giving them a lot of money for you know animal care, that right. I don't feel ripped off because it's going to a charity. Right. So psychologically, I recommend that. <laughs> Hearts. So. Yeah. Go ahead. Here's the question about having these animals oh, up here for comes adoption. The Kim well, no. Uh, the question is. It, do you feel like this is a good thing that maybe people will will adopt these animals and give them as gifts for Christmas? And I've I've heard that yes. giving gifts animals as gifts is like it's no bueno. Or do you think people will just give themselves a gift and adopt it, uh, an animal for themselves? Maybe that's I the way. I think to it's go. good for the visibility because a lot of people, you know, theoretically they know animals are living in shelters. But when you're confronted right. with it and you see, it, you're like, oh, we could take care of one cat. Like I can take care of one cat. I, I don't think right. I could do two. Can really afford two. Um, but I don't think you want to surprise it on another adult. Mm-mm. I would say to surprise kids would be fine. But what's the alternative? These these animals are living in cages, so right. I'm okay with it. They're not abusing once, them, and they're, and they're and it's better than buying animals you're adopting. Eric mm-hmm. says pets for Christmas is bad. Yeah, I once for uh, for well, a unless birthday, your mom and dad, and you're going to get a pet anyway. Right. right? That's you're well. Then if you're team. if you're the adult in the house, then you're assuming right. that uh, you know care you for the care animal. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I once was given a, an animal for a birthday, and it was. Uh, bird. I was given a bird, a parakeet, and I was in my twenties. And I got this this cage with this animal with this bird. Why, why in do it. I have a feeling this is not going to end well? Well, I had never wanted a. I mean, I'd never asked for an animal. Did I'd you nev- leave the I, door open, Kim? No. Interestingly, so I have this bird. We named him Manu. Manu Manu means bird in Hawaiian. Oh. And Manu was beautiful. Manu was yellow and green. Was. But I, operative word, I lived in a, an apartment in San Francisco and somehow Manu either figured out to open his little cage door or Manu got out of his cage and he flew into a mirror and <sighs> and I, we found him floating in the toilet. Manu was a goner. Oh so I God. tried my hardest to take care of Manu, but Manu didn't, did not survive. Was the mirror like above the toilet? Yeah. Oh, so well, it was in front mirror. of it. Like the sink yeah, was so in front hit... of the toilet. Well, that's weird. Hit the you mirror and mirror, bounced you off. Have a mirror in front of your toilet. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. Yeah. What, are you lo- what are you looking at? Looking at himself, I guess. No, I mean you as a human putting a mirror in front of your toilet. It's kind of weird. Oh, exactly. Well, I mean it was up high. It was <laughs> We've higher. We've never seen anything be... like this before. You'd have to stand up to look in it, but yeah. yeah. Just want to anyway. make sure everything's working. <laughs> everything's working. Okay, people. No, no, no. Move out. No, no. Yeah, so I would say, I mean, not that that it was the of you know about the way it ended but just what is it was an odd gift because unless i had been begging for one or asking for one or whatever but it was just an odd thing to get an animal as a gift like that oh john this is too soon i guess she didn't have to take him very far for the funeral, <laughs> the funeral. that's really sad oh so this is uh, ezra and ella cute little kittens yeah um, oblivious cute. to the gaggle of onlookers ooing and awing outside as they were sleeping the grand debut came as part of the uh, annual holiday window campaign that we mentioned, a partnership between mm-hmm. Macy's Union Square and the San Francisco Society of Prevention and Cruelty. Although it is Union Square, so hopefully people aren't just running out and stealing the animals. Um, They're behind glass, a, I think. Yeah, that's a Union Square joke. Yeah. Um, oh. Three feline <laughs> friends, Glenda, Brad, and Chevy, also snuggled up to the window around the corner. I have some other photos, actually, I want to show you. See, these are other animals. So there's dogs. Oh, puppies. 
And here's a cat. They look so sweet, don't they? And look at these two. They're having an intense conversation. Do we want to be adopted? Yeah, I think so. Let's get out of here. Come on, dude. Uh, This is the 37th year the spectacle has taken over the corner of Stockton O'Farrell. The display temporarily reverted to virtual video feeds during the height of the pandemic, but during... um, but the real-life fur babies return this year. So the puppies and kittens will be romping around the festive setup for the next several weeks. Their furry sweetness will be on display Thursdays through Sundays from 12 to 5 until December 31st, besides on November 23rd when Macy's is closed for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's cool that all these stores are are closing down for Thanksgiving. Yeah, like Target I do too. Finally, have a little yeah. respect for people. Yeah. Um, John says we got our first puppy for Christmas. We did too, John. Well, not our first puppy, but we got our current dog, Charlotte, uh, was a a Christmas dog for the kids. But again, you know, <laughs> I'm re- assuming, and my husband and I are assuming responsibility when, when you get the yeah. dog, right? It's you're not under just no to give somebody that, else. That right. Your, yeah. your kids are actually going to take care of them. Right. Yeah. Look at these Look guys. how cute they are. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I think a lot of people walk by and just really enjoy watching them for a few minutes, especially if you, you know, maybe you can't have a dog, you have a lease where you can't have animals in your apartment or whatever, but it's nice to to see them. And hopefully all the, the animals they have out there get adopted and find homes. Yeah, Good and there's homes. a lot of um, kids that can't have animals here in the city because they live in apartments. So it's good mm-hmm. for them to see and appreciate um, animals. Look at these guys. They're total hams for the camera. <laughs> so cute. Very cute. Okay. Uh, another holiday story. A lot of people drinking the uh, the Mark Thompson, why are you yelling red, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I threw this story in because I saw it this morning and I knew you'd be interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get headaches from drinking your red wine? No, I don't. Well, you're lucky. New research explores why people get headaches from red wine. And I would get them occasionally, not consistently. It's, it's the sulfates, right? No, there's something else going on. In a new mm. study, you know, steady people never take a day off. This is published in the Scientific Reports Journal on Monday. Um, again, University of California, Davis, where they're also very busy. They found the culprit may be a flavanol that occurs naturally in red wines. And uh, that's why it's specific to red wine. It's not just all wine. Mm-hmm. And it can in- interfere with the proper metabolism of alcohol. Flavanols are a group of compounds found in many plants. The, this flavanol called, uh, I practiced this and then I, I promptly forgot it. I think it's quercetin. Quercetin is mm-hmm. uh, spelled with a Q is naturally present in grapes and other fruits and vegetables and is considered a healthy antioxidant. However, when metabolized with alcohol, issues can occur. When it gets into your bloodstream, your body converts it into a different form called quercetin glucuronide. Sure. Oh, yeah, we Uh, know about that one. (laughs) Quercetin glucuronide. (laughs) Uh, Wine chemist and corresponding author Andrew Waterhouse, professor emeritus at UC uh, uh, Davis, uh, said in a news release about the study, in that form, it blocks the metabolism of alcohol. So the result is a buildup of acetyl, acetyl, do you know how to say that? Acetyl, acetyl, acetylhyde, acetylhyde. Mm-hmm. I should have practiced. Oh, yeah. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Apologize to be honest. Um, All right. I'll still uh, have it's my an glass inflammatory of red wine. <laughs> You're not talking me out of it. <laughs> an inflammatory toxin that can cause facial flushing, headache, and nausea. Anyway, the, it's that buildup that causes the headache. And I know that mm-hmm. the, it's it's happened to me in the in the past. So that's what it is. If you were wondering. I'll take it. Pour yeah. me that glass. I'll bring it on. I'll take well, it. I'll take that Well, you don't have the problem. Glass. So, no. yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you're okay. So I don't know whether this next one is real or not, okay? Because it had to be Photoshopped. 
but it was real pictures photoshopped over one another, over one another, over one another to kind of give you the feeling. Kind of like a time lapse. Right. What it looked like over the APEC summit in San Francisco. Those are that's aerial aerial surveillance. Right. Yeah. Although, I don't know. So this is the the surveillance hovering over the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit last week. There was a photographer, his name is Ian Servan. He had a Sony A7 III mirrorless digital camera with a 50-millimeter lens, and he used that to document the swirling light trails from the numerous surveillance aircraft over APAC. APAC. What do you see here? is 150 images on top of each other, shot with a 30-second exposure that he took from his apartment in Oakland. Then he used Photoshop for the layering, applying the lighter color blending mode to create the final image. So yes, there was surveillance, but this has been doctored. So I don't necessarily know if even with just the layering, that's what it looked like because the color has been enhanced. doctored in the sense that what you're seeing really did happen. Right. So it's not fake. It's just, it's a composite. But it didn't look like that. No, no, it's a composite. Yeah. 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 Uh, He said, in terms of how many light trails there were, this is definitely unique. There were a lot of additional aircraft over San Francisco this week, uh, primarily CHP fixed wing aircraft and choppers monitoring downtown. They have a lot of aircraft up there at one time. Get to the chopper. (laughs) Double chopper. Um, But yeah, he said... I think that I see trails that don't match with what I saw. Uh, Possibly there were other operators not up there. I don't know. But a lot of people are wondering, is this was this all for APEC or I don't know. But when you see the swirls like that, that looks like an awful lot of surveillance, doesn't it? Well, they're going around in circles. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they're monitoring one area. Or maybe it's just aliens. (laughs) Aliens. Aliens looking at San Francisco. No. Here's something else that's kind of alien to me. Running in a race. I just don't get that whole concept. But this runner has been banned. Ultra marathoner. Like, we're talking a long way. Yeah, this is... Well, that's just stupid to begin with. My knees just cry out when I think of running. Um, Mm. This runner has been banned for 12 months for using... What do you think she used in the race? That's right. She used a car. (laughs) A runner has been banned for a year by UK Athletics for using a car in a foot race. Uh, she received the punishment after her admission to what, of what she did to the BBC's reporting. She accepted a medal and trophy for finishing third in the 2023rd uh, Great Britain Ultras oh. Manchester to Liverpool 50 mile race. I just took the train between those. Why, you know, why, why bother with running? However, tracking information obtained by the BBC later determined that she traveled by car for roughly two and a half miles before she continued the race. According to the BBC, she got lost on the course around the halfway mark when her leg began to feel sore and she started to limp. The 47-year-old added that the pain was so bad that when she saw a friend on the side of the course, she accepted a ride in his car to the next checkpoint to tell Marshall she was pulling out of the race. She posted about the race on social media and later admitted that she completed part of the race on a non-competitive basis, according to a written decision. As stated, I accept my actions on the day and I did travel in a car and then later completed the run, crossing the finish line inappropriately, receiving a medal and a trophy, which I did not return immediately as I should have done. <laughs> yeah. In other Joeza, words, she got, she got caught. Joeza Zakruski is her name. She got caught. 50 mile race and two and a half miles by car. No. I'm sorry. No. I'm, and I get that. She, and she apparently has won a lot of races. She's One very if by big. land, two if by sea, three if by my car <laughs> my car her her problem was accepting the trophy you don't accept say, the trophy if you che- lying 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lying liars who lie. Uh, you did not truth. come in third when you two and a half miled it by car. No. <laughs> there were apparently a record number. Maybe they checked her shoes to see how the tread wasn't really worn out. No, they can tell what your mile tracker. mile measurements are. And they saw that between a certain point and a certain point right it's on the tracker that then. yeah that she it, the 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 time length it took her to travel that the two and a half like miles nothing. didn't match the rest of yeah. her miles it was like, me, so me. they knew yeah me, me. something was up yeah she either was using a rocket yeah or a car <laughs> there apparently were a record number of 50 dollars bills printed last year really? why i never seen well them. yeah there's a reason for it there's a reason Last year, the fun. government printed 756,000, well, more than that, almost 757,000 of these bills, the highest total of $50 bills printed in one year in the last 40 years. If you added all the 50s printed together, you'd have about $37.8 billion. Well, this is mostly uncommon. I mean, how often do you see a $50 bill? Unless maybe you get one in an envelope for Christmas or... Usually it's... it's um, some of the new ATMs spit out 50s and 100s, and I find it very annoying. Maybe that's why. Maybe they changed. Chris says 50 is the new 20. It sounds like, yeah, because you need it. Yeah. What used to cost 20 now costs 50. I don't like it, well, though, because it messes up my math when I'm counting my bills, because instead of, like, you know, counting even. in 20s, mm -hmm. yeah, to yeah. add up to 100, they're like, oh, no, there's a 50, and, yeah. Life is hard. Well, again. CNN Business looked at why we're seeing more 50s right now. And apparently it has nothing to do with inflation, even though it feels like it. Uh, it has to do with the pandemic because people started hoarding $50 bills. They started hoarding cash. And it's easier to squirrel away these $50 bills, you know, if you're looking for the bigger denominations. Yeah. Yeah. So people are just tucking them in. The Fed ordered a big uptick in, uh, in 50s until the pandemic. The 50 had been one of the rarest bills ordered for years, except for the $2 bill. But in 2021 and 2022, the Fed had to order up more 50s than 10s and 5s. And that's why. It's just, uh, you know, some people don't like the 50. They think it's unlucky. I guess there's this old superstition that because President Ulysses S. Grant, who, by the way, is one of the good guys, is on the face of the 50, and he notoriously went bankrupt at the end of his life, the bills are jinxed. But they're not. The that bill, the $50 bill, dates to 1862, but Grant's face wasn't added until 1914. So you see, I yeah, don't know, that doesn't make... There was a push a few years ago to get President Grant's face replaced with Reagan's face on the 50. But no. that that didn't go anywhere. Mm -mm. No, yeah. you know what? Let, let the, the the faces on the president uh, on the bills they can trickle down. They can trickle down to Reagan. That's how we'll let that happen. Get it? That will let trickle, trickle down, down economics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right though. Professional down. gamblers and casinos they don't like to carry the bills. They think it's a jinx, uh, partially because Vegas casino investor and gangster Bugsy Siegel was rumored to have died with only fifty dollars in his pocket. Mm. John pocket. says, I like 100. They make my wallet less fat. Yeah, but yeah. good luck trying to get change, especially... That's right, John, in, in walking around with $100 bills like a high roller you are. You try mm -hmm. to get change here in the city, a lot of places just won't... They won't make change for it. And you don't want to be the pulling the out... hundreds or the 50s? Hundreds. Well, oh, the 50, 50s yeah. are a pain in the butt either or, as well. But, like, you don't want to yeah. be pulling out hundreds, like, on the streets of San Francisco or somewhere in urban. It's like, hey, steal. Steal from me. 
Well, there's a lot more hundreds rolling around right now. Uh, sp- well, they lost some of them at SpaceX. Did you hear what happened? <laughs> SpaceX. Apparently, they have- lost a whole rocket. Yeah, a rocket full of 50s. Uh, SpaceX's gargantuan deep space rocket system, Starship. You think they'd come up with a better name than just Starship? Starship. Wasn't that a band? They ripped that off of the band. Safely lifted yeah, was, off that Saturday. That was Jefferson Starship, right? No, but they, they shortened the name to Starship. Yeah. There's two versions of... Don't you know that? Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, safely lifted off Saturday morning, but ended prematurely with an explosion. That's how you do, you, that's how you do it, right? And a loss of signal, which... I think that's hey, kind listen, of obvious. They can't all be a success. You're going to have some failures in there. Yeah, one of them's Elon <laughs> Musk. The super heavy booster and Starship pl- uh, spacecraft successfully separated after liftoff, but as Starship lift lifted up, right, and the engines lit up and pushed away, the process ended by destroying the super heavy booster, which erupted into a ball of flames over the Gulf of Mexico. But the Starship spacecraft was able to briefly continue its journey. It made it much further into flight than the first attempt in April. The rocket and space, spacecraft lifted off the launch pad at uh, 8 a.m. Eastern with the super heavy booster igniting all 33 of its engines. The Starship upper stage began its trip Saturday morning strapped to the top of the super heavy first stage, a 232-foot-tall rocket packed with 33 massive engines. About two and a half minutes after roaring to life and vaulting off the launch pad, the super heavy booster expended most of its fuel and the Starship spacecraft fired its own engines and broke away. It used its own six engines to continue propelling itself to faster speeds, aimed to send the spacecraft to near-orbital velocities, typically around 17,500 miles per hour. They awaited the acquisition of the signal from the spacecraft, but shared during the live stream that the second stage was lost. The automated flight termination system on second stage appears to have triggered very late in the burn as we were headed downrange over uh, the Gulf of Mexico. The flight termination system essentially is a self-destruct feature. Uh, We should have that. Um, that Deidre wants to know... I'm sure it was, Deidre, but she wants to know if this explosion was as destructive to the environment as the last one. It doesn't look good. I mean, they're constantly, you know, but Elon doesn't care. You know, he just, he'll buy up more land. That's that's how you solve that, right? And then if you don't like it being talked about on Twitter, you just buy Twitter. Cindy, also not a fan of Elon Musk. Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm making money. Leave me alone. Well, this next story Um, is not about a potato. Let's not let's talk about this because okay, I love a good find, right? This is a good one. There's a mystery of Egyptian treasures found buried in the grounds at a Scottish school. Yes, it is. Ooh. Look at this. This is an ancient relic. In 1952, there Most was of the a relics sc- are ancient, right? <laughs> it could be a recent relic. A I don't know. Relic redundancy in 1952 there was a schoolboy and he was digging up some potatoes trying to help a gardener at the grounds of his school in fife and he was being punished so he was sent out with a gardener to help pull potatoes up he stumbled upon this bulbous shape that he initially mistook for a potato because you could think like if it's brown like that and covered in dirt it looks kind of like a potato right only to discover later he found an Egyptian masterpiece made some 4,000 years ago. And so uh, they say that a lot of the uh, ancient treasures buried in the Scottish countryside, rather than beneath the sands of Cairo, are unlikely. This is the... um, This was to be the first of 18 Egyptian antiquities unearthed on three separate occasions by schoolboys over 30 years in the most 
unexpected of places. It was at Melville House, an historic building near the small parish of Monomale in Fife, Scotland. Melville House. Yes, yes. Melville yes. House. This I is like where that they it's found all schoolboys because the schoolgirls aren't getting in trouble. Well, must have been a boy a boys' school, right? Or the girls were or, not getting or in the trouble. Go- or the girls were all right <laughs> and the boys were busted. Get out there and dig. 18, the first of 18 Egyptian antiquities. What in the world are they doing there? Most of them are now in a national museum, Scotland, uh, for the first time telling the remarkable stories behind the discovery of these uh, antiquities. In 1952, Melville House was then Dalhousie School, which was... uh, uh, yeah, it, apparently, you know, it has been a school in many different iterations over the years. A teacher brought the boys' discovery to then the Royal Scottish Museum, where a distinguished Egyptologist realized its significance as important in the mid-12th dynasty red sandstone statue head about uh, 1922 to 1855 BC. Its quality suggests a royal workshop. The next one found... 14 years later, in 1966, it was an Egyptian bronze votive statue of an apis bull found at the same school grounds by people doing a PE class outside. During a vaulting exercise, one of the boys landed on a spike protruding from the ground. It what turned this? out, this is 1966, and okay. it turned out to date from the late uh, Ptolemaic period, 664 to 332 B.C. Calvin's asking, are Egyptians in Scotland first? It seems like it. We don't know. We don't know. In 1975, it was bought by what is now the Melville House. Uh, In 1984, there was a group of teenagers uh, that found something and came with an object to a, a museum for her to identify. They thought it was old. Turned out to be an ancient bronze bronze figure of a man from Egypt. Uh, and so, yeah, this keeps going and going and all these things interestingly found, and they don't know why all these things from Egypt from so long ago were buried right at this, on these school grounds. That's almost 2,700 miles. So when they say walk like an Egyptian, you better get to stepping. <laughs> they really mean it. They really mean <laughs> it. They say, we can't be sure whether superstition played any role in abandoning these things here, but that it's not impossible. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't have FedEx back then. I wonder how they were getting around. Interesting. Maybe uh, maybe they were on a boat. Maybe maybe I mean, they. I mean, obviously they got there somehow. Maybe, maybe it's aliens meant to come back for them later and just never. Maybe did. it's aliens. The aliens built the pyramids and then they're like, let's go up to Scotland. Those people can drink. And then they didn't. Let's, let's party. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of crazy, and I uh, apologize for grossing you out. A plumbing company is warning U.S. residents about Brown Friday. The day what? after Thanksgiving. The day oh, after Thanksgiving no. is called Brown Friday. It's the busiest of the year for plumbers. Roto-Rooter said Brown Friday marks the busiest day, av- averaging 50% more calls than the average Friday. Thanksgiving weekend overall averages 21% more calls for service than the av- average uh, Thursday to Sunday period. Well, it and makes the- sense because if you eat a little more, then you have more of a deposit to make, right? Well, not just that. Think about what happens <laughs> in the kitchen. Um, the main culprits are clogs in kitchen sinks, oh, toilets, okay. and garbage disposals. Mm-hmm. So people trying to shove, you know, probably cartilage and bones and whatnot down the garbage disposal. Things that you shouldn't, right? No. Um, or fat. 
Um, often the case is that the house is already has, you know, they already have partially clogged drains, right, that go unnoticed. And then holiday guests arrive and overwhelm the system, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Even more problematic is that virtually every tra tra traditional Thanksgiving uh, dish is a drain clogging culprit, right? So they offer some what? advice to to avoid Thanksgiving week plumbing ca catastrophes. And here you go, including keeping fats and cooking oils away from the sink, wiping grease out of pots and pans with a paper towel before washing them and not putting potential clog causing foods such as poultry skin, celery, fruit, and potato pills down the uh, garbage disposal. Oh, what happens? Yeah. What's supposed to happen if you put fats down that is it supposed uh, to like congeal, congeal down there they congeal and mm. block the drainage so you back up well that's not good no yeah mm -hmm. so you want to avoid that so yeah brown friday uh, the day you want to take a break or do you want to talk about scratch off lottery tickets i think it's time to take a break i think that would be okay when do. we return i'll tell you about this woman who got quite a package in the mail also it looks like a lot of people are stealing from the self-checkout no. What? Yes, it's true. Um, and we'll talk about Gwyneth Paltrow uh, skiing the musical. That's all when we come back to the After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute 10, 15 or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the about section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. <laughs> Doug, thank you for the $5 super sticker. You so totally Dang, rock, Doug. and happy Thanksgiving you week You put Kim in you. a good mood. You see that? You see that smile? Yeah, he totally did. Thank you to ongoing contributors Rachel C, Martha D, Jim S, and Isadora L. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys, and thank you for helping yeah. us with this show. I open up really, my email really in the morning. It. It's like you've got love. Oh, that's nice. Um, let's talk about this lady who thought she got love, but she didn't get any love. This yes. is a woman from Massachusetts, and she got a package in the mail. She got a bunch of them. Uh, boxes. She thinks everything looks fine until she right. opens this one and she gets $20,000 worth of scratch-off lottery tickets from you'd FedEx. Be you'd be excited, right? <laughs> you would think, what? What's this, right? Or you'd look, no. like, you'd like, look like this, as she does in the photo here. You'd think maybe you could what? afford to buy the graffiti art picture behind her. Right. But yeah, no. Danielle Alexandrov of Falmouth, Massachusetts says... She bought a bunch of stuff. Everything initially appeared to be normal with the boxes delivered to her home by FedEx. I started going through the boxes, she said. Everything's normal until I get to a box that's really heavy. I open it up, and it's a box of scratch tickets. And I'm thinking, is this a joke? Until I look at the receipt, and its value is $20,000 worth of scratch-off tickets. She then checked the address, and it, it was supposed to go to Kenyon's Market uh, in East Falmouth. So she decided to return the tickets to their rightful owner. She took them back to the store. But even if she had kept them, the officials are telling her that they would have been worthless. They The tickets have to be activated by a retail agent. So there's no value to them. If someone tried to take one of these tickets, if it was a winning ticket brought to a retail location, there would be a message flagged, that would, right? it would flag it. Then and they would have been prison. unable to cash it. Yeah. And then you'd see more graffiti behind you. 
Yeah, <laughs> the real graffiti. Uh, Alexandrov apparently not the first person in recent days to receive a mysterious package. There was another woman, uh, Joelle. She opened an Amazon box that arrived in her Ontario home. We heard about this one yeah, to discover uh, more than a thousand condoms she never ordered. So you, right. sometimes you never know what's going to be in the Amazon box. You just don't know. Yeah, that's like an ominous message to receive um, from Amazon. <laughs> And uh, if you're if you're not into receiving things that you didn't order, you just want to steal them. Well, people mm. are doing it at the self checkout. Now, this is um, this story is about Gen Z, of course, because we love to bag on. First, we like to bag on millennials, right? But that's yeah. kind of passe now. So now we want to bag on Gen Z. Roughly one in three young shoppers in the U.S. has admitted to giving themselves the five finger discount at self checkout counters, according to a new survey. Uh, Wait, according who's, to who's who's Gen Z. Uh, like your daughter? So Julia's age, 14? Uh, like, I think it's er early 20s. It's early 20s, and I think late later teens. So maybe she's the next generation after that. But Okay. Um, I didn't know there would be a question, Q&A. <laughs> question and answer period. Don't ask uh, questions. The first those, rule of the after party. Don't ask those, questions. I should know better. The, those uh, who are born between <laughs> the mid-90s and the mid-2010s. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right. And they're regarded as being very familiar with the Internet and stealing things. Um, wow. So 31 percent of Gen Z consumers have stolen items from self-checkout kiosks compared to 15 percent of consumers of any age. Those figures come as businesses work to combat shoplifting, which some retailers have blamed for hurting their financial performance. So maybe it was all Gen Z stealing everything here in the city. Right? Mm -hmm. They're just walking out. Ultimately, retailers need to decide whether the self-checkout terminals are worth the risk, according to this uh, lending tree uh, credit analyst that's a question a lot of retailers are likely wrestling with and i think we saw that in the news at um walgreens and that store booths in the uk and right. even costco is making sure that you have your um they have a different problem where people are going in with borrowing their friend's costco card right and they're not actually members so now they yeah. verify the photo when you go in the line mm -hmm. um so it's getting to the point where if the machines are constantly like asking you to get a human to help you then it's kind of counterproductive right right Although some respondents to the poll said they regretted having sticky fingers, 44% continued to steal, planned on continuing to steal from self-checkout, while 37% said they'd uh, do so to save money on groceries or healthcare goods, according to oh. the survey. I'm guessing that this was an anonymous survey. <laughs> to save money. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the rule number one of theft. Well, to save money, of course. Well, I'll go on the record and say I have not stolen from self-checkout. Um, as a child, do you remember Bill's Drugs? Mm, in Petaluma? Yeah, it was like uh, yeah. it was where Safeway is or Safeway was before they moved. Yeah, but anyway, Bill's Drugs. It was like the, mm -hmm. during the Payless era. Bill's yeah. Drugs. As a kid, I ac I accidentally I was playing with like the bouncy balls in the bouncy ball aisle, and I hit I like hit I threw it hit the ground hit the ceiling ricocheted and went right out the front door, and uh, we didn't report it. And I think I think my friend took it. No. And uh, that guilt has uh, weighed on me. I had a friend that, uh, that's dad was a police officer or a police detective in San Francisco. And we were at Petaluma Junior High and we, we went to Tuttle's Drugs downtown. Oh, I remember Tuttle's. Yeah. And she she stole a, like a lip gloss or something. We must have been in eighth grade. And I didn't take anything, but I also didn't say anything. Yeah, I was very nervous about the whole thing. Yeah. And she got caught and she got in a lot of trouble. I mean, her dad's a cop. I didn't get caught. 
But I, I didn't intend on stealing, and I think the crime was probably like five cents or three cents. Back there, it was, back then, it was probably worth two cents, right? like one of those little bouncy balls. Okay, so here's a theft question for you. Do you, <laughs> if 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 something happens at the register where you're undercharged or you're given more mm. change than you ought to get, do you immediately say, hold on, I think you got this wrong. Let me give this back to you. Depends on the amount, but I kind of go into my karma bank. So I feel like yep. if I buy a lot of stuff and say like at Chipotle, where I have a running total, like a tab in my mind of how <laughs> yeah. many times they've underserved me in terms mm -hmm. of portion size, then if they mess up, I'll let it go. Cause you know, I'm like, well, I'm entitled to that cause they've been cheating me. But if it was like, I went to Safeway right when they, um, right, right when the new company took over Safeway, they, they were trying to get rid of all the union members. I forget exactly how it went down, but they started hiring all these like young kids. Mm -hmm. I think I may have told the story. And the the guy I bought bought something, handed him a hundred dollar bill, and he handed me a hundred and twenty dollars in change. Dude, and so I do? decided I decided to help him out. <laughs> and he's like, "Thank you so much. I would have been fired." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know that's I, what happens when you hire like kids to do the job that you know yeah. adults with experience have been doing. I figure if I'm going to complain if i'm overcharged yeah. right which i will say i think you got this wrong because you just charged me 80 dollars for a 20 dollar item or whatever it may be yeah if i'm going to complain that way then i'm also going to tell them the mm. other way there's a threshold you know? for me because yeah. i know within like within five dollars they actually don't care because it costs them more to deal with it mm. yeah um let's talk about what happened at the taylor swift concert in rio de janeiro omg it was really really hot there 102 oh, yeah. degrees but this, it cuz it's not a good felt outcome, like it? yeah it felt like a lot hotter it was sweltering and yeah. you know when you get in that concert there's also a lot of people packed in there and a 23 year old fan died right died. before the friday died. night show apparently taylor swift feels awful about this she wrote from her dressing room i'm well this is the quote I'm writing this from my dressing room in the stadium. The decision has been made to postpone tonight's show due to the extreme temperatures in Rio. The safety and well-being of my fans, fellow performers, and crew have and always will come first. This young woman's name was Ana Clara Benavides Machado. She had sought medical attention at the, they have a little health clinic in the stadium in case someone has an emergency. So she went there for help. But they still haven't officially announced her cause of death. Um, but it, this is a, a a sad situation. This young woman took her very first flight ever to travel from the country's center west region to Rio to see Taylor Swift. Oh, it was sad. a big deal. They had saved up for this concert. They had splurged by going. Imagine yeah. she'd never even been on an airplane before. before. So this it is a big humid. deal for her. It was hot. And then they're saying yeah. even the water was available in certain areas, like at the edge, they were, it was so packed that in um, a large portion of the stadium, people couldn't get to water. And they were actually holding up their phones to Taylor, like with we signs need water, that said need like, water. we need water. And she stopped the concert at one point and got them water. But that was Friday night. And so she died Friday night during the concert. And yeah. so she Right before it, I think. Yeah. Uh, or was no, it during or right during. before? And then, so when she wrote that note, that was on Saturday. She postponed yeah. Saturday because of this. Um, this but yeah, the, girl, the concert, obviously they knew how hot it was and they knew the weather right. forecast. They knew it but was they, humid. They, but, organizers, but they wouldn't let them bring in bottles and cans. Yeah. So the, the organizers right. messed up. They, they, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't like, that just sounds like a, like a money grab, right? Like we want you to buy our, our, our beverages. 
or maybe safety, you know, because you don't know what's inside the bottles and cans. Well, you don't they don't want, want people... you to bring in alcohol. That's what it, right. I mean, that's a bartender would tell you. Like they don't want, you know, they don't want you bringing in liquids because even if it's not clear, it could be, you know, mixed alcohol. And these are young kids, so they're going to try to sneak in everything. Yeah, yeah. concert goers said they weren't allowed to take water into the stadium despite the weather. Then they should have had water everywhere. They should have had water mm, everywhere. All, all over the place. That's true. Yeah. Or, you know, if it gets too hot like that, if, if it's over 100 degrees, then maybe you just it. don't do not do the show. Yeah. As, as hard as that is, you just you just don't do it because health is, comes first, you know? Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift says she has a shattered heart. She said, there's very little information I have other than the fact that this woman was incredibly beautiful and she was far too young. John's asking if there was AC inside the concert venue. This is outdoors, isn't it? I think it was an outdoor show. Yeah. yeah. It was humid. It was hot mm-hmm. and humid. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. On we go. Speaking to of Gwyneth. lawsuits. Yeah. Goop. Goop it up. First, we had the crash. And then we had the trial, and now we have the musical. Gwyneth Paltrow's ski crash inspiring a musical opening in December in London. I can almost hear the songs now. You crashed into me. No, I crashed into you. Now, she's a professional (laughs) actress, right? She should have been more aware of the way she looked during that trial. Because, like, look at these photos. It's like she just looks really, like, stuck up. Well, I mean, they caught her at a moment where she's looking up. But if you see, like, the coverage, she just came off as, like, this entitled person. Like, she should have done a better job if she's an actress to be more... However, she was victorious in this trial because she was right, and you know the guy was just out to get her money. Well, of course. Yeah. The the collision at a Utah... They were hugging right there. Ski resort. They were not hugging. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big fan. Huge fan. Love sliding doors. By the way, I'm going to sue you. Uh, this happened at a Utah ski resort, right, between Gwyneth Paltrow and this 76-year-old retired optometrist. And that is what will serve as the backdrop for this musical, which Somewhat is set ironic. To... He was an optometrist and didn't see her. It's set to debut next month, early December or mid-December at a cabaret theater in London. The musical is called Gwyneth Goes Skiing. <laughs> it's opening December 13th at London's Pleasance Theatre. It's a limited run only right uh, through December 22nd. But they said that, um, here's what's interesting. They got the guy uh, to do the music who is known for doing the music for RuPaul's Drag Race. He's a dance, pop, and electronic singer-songwriter. His name is Leland. He created an original score for Gwyneth Goes Skiing. Kim writes, if we're going to start making musicals out of court cases, I can't wait to see the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. You pooped on my bed. Mm. <laughs> that's really funny. Now, that's what you call a Brown Friday. This is uh, this is their story, kind of, not really, is the description of the show. This is their story, kind of, not really. A story of love, betrayal, skiing, and somehow Christmas where you are the jury. They say limited run. I could see a lot of people tr- trying to go see this. Limited uh, John, run until it crashes. John, John Watson says they should use some Sonny and Cher music because he died while skiing too. Oh, that's right. He ran right into a tree, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. John, too soon. Mm. Yeah, maybe. No, it's not too soon. <laughs> that's, but that's joke. nobody died in the making of Gwyneth Paltrow Go Skiing. We, we can say that. So I thought that was now, pretty interesting. Now, you remember Snoop Dogg announced that he was no longer going to, uh, he was done with smoke. 
Now right, you knew, right. by the way, that he had worded that. I'm like, no more smoke. That obviously mm-hmm. there was going to be. It was, you know, it was some kind of stunt and whatnot. And it's true. And these marketing people have won out because no, Snoop Dogg is not quitting cannabis. Here's what he's really giving up. He uh, shocked fans Thursday after he posted a black and white social media post announcing, after much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect <laughs> my privacy at this time. I'm giving up smoke. He added in the caption. He did not clarify as to whether or not it was related to cannabis or something else. Now we find out on Monday that he's partnering with Solo Stove, a smokeless fire pit brand. He says, I love a good fire outside, but the smoke was too much. Solo Stove fixed fire and took out the smoke. They changed the game, and now I'm excited to spread the love and stay warm with my friends and family, he said in a press release. Um, It is amazing that Snoop Dogg started out like, wasn't he like, I think he was accused of like actually shooting people. Allegedly, I don't. I think I, don't I, think I have that right. This. Anyway, like yeah. he was a gang member, and and now he's like a mainstream, like endorser of products. He's like, a pop like an culture athlete. icon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, wait, I mean that's that's impressive. He's you know multi millionaire, or maybe a billionaire by now. Um, but yeah, we knew we it, were getting tricked. Oh, sorry. This is what it looks like. This is the solo stove that he's endorsing. It's a smokeless fire pit. I was trying not to do a full commercial, but. Oh. They, they win. Yeah, they win. They win with the Snoop Dogg thing. Yeah, Snoop was uh, charged with a first-degree murder after a member of a rival oh, was, he? was shot and killed by his bodyguard oh. you know, 1993. Mm. I knew there was something. Wow. Well, I do like the idea of a smoke-free fire pit because, you know, they have fire pits. That's why we have Spare the Air Days with yeah. all the smoke and particulates yeah, released. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, why do you go to a holiday party? I don't. Do you want to mingle with people? Do you want to chit chat? Do you want to hang chit, out? Chit, 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 chit. Uh, chit, I've only chit, been chat. to one holiday party lately, and that was the one right before we got fired uh, oh. a year before. Um, but other people <laughs> apparently go because they want to uh, take things home. Yeah. Um, half of Americans admit to holiday party, party, party hopping just right. to eat free treats. Right. Well. So they're going from party to party. Uh, and they're not like going just to participate. They're going to have the food. That's right. And uh, here's a here's an example. I mean, who folks. doesn't? You know, there's some some good food at those parties. But yeah, I guess they they looked at the survey people that we love. They looked at 2,000 Americans and they showed 48 percent of us have attended a party only for the sweets that are expected to be there. The good stuff. 43% have stayed at a gathering just to eat treats and then left. Like, I'm just here to eat and I'm out. And the Gen Z employees went through self-checkout and stole everything. Don't talk to me. I'm eating. Yeah. That's uh, what they do. Uh, the data all explored Americans' love for all things sweet and results also find that the indulging a sweet tooth is uh, the activity most likely to bring back the childhood wonder of the uh, holidays 56 percent eating sweets and desserts beat out opening presents 52 percent and playing in the snow 49 percent as a top activity making respondents feel like a child again Um, it was commissioned by sanders candy and conducted by one poll they're very good at this ahead of national sea salt caramel day oh i didn't know Oh, we've just passed it on november 13th was national sea salt so sorry we missed so sorry we missed it we didn't didn't (laughs) observe that it's horrible um Results show that 48% have hidden their favorite treats to avoid sharing them with anyone else. And the most common hiding spots include uh, behind other items in the kitchen cabinets, 61%. In a kitchen cabinet that doesn't usually have food in it, 52%. Or in the bathroom cabinet, that's gross, 
49%. Watch out. 46% admit to always or often eating sweets that belong to other family members. Oh. Do you do you hide food in the kitchen or elsewhere? Um, I have, but I, I usually kind of like hiding in plain sight. Who so if someone it eats it, they eats kids? it. Kids usually. Kids. Although one time I got in my stocking, my mom bought me these champagne flavored gummy bears. There's candy. It wasn't like THC gummy bears. It was just regular candy, but they were Boring. flavored like rosé champagne. Okay. And I had put them up on a shelf near my dining room thinking that the kids wouldn't be able to get them. Well, they were missing. And I mean, I I didn't realize they were missing until I found the empty box under Jacob's bed. He got it and he ate them all. Mm-hmm. And then he left the box. I mean, amateur. You got to teach then him how left. to clean well, up Well, he the used scene. to try to shove can- like boxes and things under his bed. So... Yeah. yeah, you need to teach him how to steal properly before he becomes Speak- uh, old enough to steal from self-checkout. Spe- speaking of eating and drinking and imbibing, this is a lot to pay for a drink, let me tell you. There is a bottle of the world's most sought-after scotch whiskey that just went up for auction. I'll ask you in the chat how much you think it went for. It's a Macallan 1926. It's one of just 40 bottles drawn after aging in sherry casks for 60 years so it's the oldest Macallan vintage ever produced it went for auction at sotheby's um they thought maybe it was gonna make well i'll tell you they thought it was gonna make a lot of money but they didn't realize i was gonna make this amount of money oh, so we let's got see. Guesses you guys here. have guesses what do you guys say it Jones went for is- what Thirty thousand. Eric says forty-three dollars. <laughs> this, this uh, John for... says thirty-two thousand. Sandy one hundred thousand. Square uh, twenty-five hundred. Eighty yeah. grand from Net One Pearl One. Some good guesses. Uh, I think these are way. Low. I would. I, these are way low. What was the? As where were they fact, being auctioned? Where was it being auctioned? So the Sotheby's. Yeah, Sotheby's mm-hmm. doesn't involved for. It's six age for sixty years. Sixty they years. They thought it was. They thought it was going to pull in. Bet- uh, around 1.2 million pounds that's wow. 934,000 dollars but it actually sold for 2.7 million dollars one what? bottle of Macallan scotch sold for 2.7 million dollars it's again a Macallan 1926 only one of 40 bottles ever pulled from this cask that aged for 60 years that's a hell of a lot that's a very expensive drink man that's hell expensive that Sotheby's head of whiskey said he tried a small sample. I like that they have so, a head of whiskey. Can you imagine having it's that It's open. The guy opened it to sample it. I'm, I would be thinking, no, it better be closed if I buy it. But yeah. they wanted to make sure that it was good. He said, I tasted a tiny, tiny drop. It's very rich. It's got a lot of dried fruit, as you would expect. A lot of spice, a lot of wood. Called it What's an he gonna incredible say? Oh, this is, whiskey. This is, sh- this is this shitty. Sucks. Wait, we're getting a percentage yeah. of this? Oh, it sucks. He said it's an incredible whiskey that shouldn't be taken lightly. Mm. Yeah. Most of the 40 bottles that were filled in 1986 were not made available for purchase. Some were offered to McAllen's top clients, which is a luxury that adds to its appeal. Um, But yeah, in 2019, they sold a bottle of this that had also a rare label that went for 1.9 million and at that time it was the most expensive bottle of wine or spirit ever auctioned well then inflation came along yeah then inflation came along and it went for 2.7 so there you go 
know. Do you? Um, I got. I'll have some money still, there. Um, do you still send uh, mail? I like snail do. Mail? Christmas cards, yes, but most of the time, no. Fifty-four percent prefer paper greeting cards during the holidays. Right. Um, I mean, who says don't you who think says snail mail is dead? That's right. Mm. More than half of Americans. That's fifty-four percent. Say they still mail out greeting cards instead of sending email messages on social media during the holidays. I find that so impersonal, especially when they don't even bother to address it to you, right? Um, we have this one very religious um, relative who doesn't watch mm-hmm. the show. and um, <laughs> You hope? <laughs> he or she. No, I know. Uh, we're looking at this, uh, the stats and <laughs> demos. Um, they send, they forward like religious, like, I'm just going to call it religious propaganda because it's like mm-hmm. chain letter, you know, like the super religious chain letter emails. So it's not even like a personalized greeting or whatever. They're just hitting forward on the, you know, this like very, very indoctrinated um, Christian uh, email. And uh, I find that kind of insulting because it's like, first of all, you know, I'm not religious. So it's like, why are you sending me that? Right. Um, so this is kind of the airing of grievances. I didn't mean for that to be but. We need to do that segment mm. again soon. People have been asking about the airing of <laughs> the grievances. The general airing of grievances. Yeah. So this is a new study from <sighs> Study People. 2,000 U.S. adults split evenly by generation, uncovering that taking the extra step in the personalization of holiday expressions goes a long way in spreading holiday cheer, especially if you never talk to these people, right? Mm-hmm. This is your only contact every year, and then you're just like stamp or like print it out on the computer. Two and right. three prefer to receive physical cards as opposed to digital ones, including younger respondents who are millennials, 62% or a part of Gen Z, 59%. And that's why I always handwrite it. Like I was telling you a couple, a few weeks ago that that's how I practice my, um, my cursive every year, you know, make, maintain my cursive. Kathleen says email is lame. Yeah. Yeah. John says, I prefer relatives send paper or cardboard cards rather than show up at your door. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is nice to display actual cards during the holidays. John and I were talking about this though, and I I get a lot of those cards that are a family photo, right? Yeah, and it says yeah. like with a printed message, like Merry Christmas from, you know, the gross family or whatever yeah. it may be, right? And then they're or, always like, Our family's very productive and we're gonna lay out the case here on the back. This is what yeah. everyone's doing. <laughs> we're way more productive and successful than your family. And I don't mind those kind of cards, but you do because you say they're just not personal enough for you. Well, when it's the same message on the back, it's like, and then, and then Carolyn went uh, on on holiday to uh, the south of France, and uh, we never talked to you, but we wanted to uh, brag about all our trips. <laughs> it's just, well, it you're not. Gonna, it's like kinda... Facebook, right? You're you're not going to say the negative stuff that happened all year. Yeah, you know, and then Carolyn went it... back into the rehab for the twelfth time. Right, That's not going to be in the Christmas card. Kind of obnoxious card. when it's like. Mm-hmm telling me oh everything we did that was grand instead of like making it about the person who's getting it right and saying you know holiday greetings and whatnot it's more like look what we did look at me mommy look at me put this on the fridge here's the question do you save holiday cards when you get them only from those that i'm close with and then do you save them forever no there's a period of time i think for my parents i like they go in a shoebox and then they'll exist forever probably 20 you know Mm -hmm. 10 20 years because you move enough times, and even though you mean to keep everything, things get, you know, lost. So I feel like just hang on to as much as you can because it's not all going to make it. I had right? a family member who passed away, and she was the wife of my grandfather's cousin, and they didn't have any other relatives. So mm-hmm. we were the ones that went to clean out their house and, you know, take care of everything. And when I opened one of the drawers in her bedroom to clean out things, 
-hmm. I found piles and piles of cards with rubber bands around them from oh i thought you're gonna say intimate things no (laughs) she had them organized by who gave them who sent them and there was a huge stack of cards from me and a huge stack of cards from my mom and other people in her life that had sent her birthday cards christmas cards letters she saved all correspondence and i thought first of all i thought that was really sweet and that it showed that they meant something to her. Yeah. And even though those things do mean something to me, and if I have found one later down the road, I get a sense of nostalgia about it. I still can't bring myself to save all that paper. I don't have room to save all that stuff. Yeah. I can't throw out anything. I mean, my dad passed away a few years ago um, and I can't throw out anything with his handwriting on it. I mean, there's not a time. I mean, paper doesn't, by itself doesn't take up a lot of space so like i, I just don't yeah. feel like i want to get rid of any of it nick um, says i don't save them they just kind of hang around the house for a few months yeah that's how it Same is for here. me for, reg- for regular ones like from you know from um, distant family uh Lori says you can do newsletter cards and add a personal note to the end yeah it doesn't even have to be a lot like at least take a pen to it and add a few mm-hmm. words like something to make it obvious that you you personalized it I just don't yeah. like the mass produced. It's like, why, why even bother? No, I usually do the mass produced with a picture. And then on the back, I write a personal note. Yeah. Yeah. So At least hand write like the greeting and the signature or whatnot. Um, let's end with this happy story. Okay. Oh, it's the monarchs. The monarchs are the back. The monarchs are back. Yay. Have you ever seen the monarchs? Uh, like the, yeah, growing the big, up Petaluma, we'd see them sometimes. Not all no, I mean the big clumping of them. This no. is it's incredible when you see this in person. That's on the south coast or something. Oh, coast, right? it's a wild. Well, there's a, a spot in Santa Cruz where they gather, but where I went, um, and where, what this article talks about is this um, area in Pismo Beach. Yeah. Uh, kind like of Pismo Beach area. Yeah. Area. They say this is the best place to view the endangered monarch butterfly, butterfly population. And there were some fears in recent years that the butterfly population was dwindling. But this year, it looks like it came back. Uh, there's still a little bit of fear about what's going to happen with climate change and a lot of rain coming through. But the annual Western monarch butterfly count, the recent numbers uh, that have had more than 250 people out for the annual Thanksgiving count, which looks at 272 sites across coastal California. And they say the Western monarch count had some good news last year, 335,479 butterflies. And did so they have, um, did they have an explanation? Um about why there were so many yeah no because they didn't expect that many but they say they still gives gives them hope that there's still time to save the western migration from extinction um they say everyone can play a part there's a long way to go if you want to see the butterflies they are now uh here in california at pismo state beach monarch butterfly grove and they have tall trees and you look up in the trees and for a second you don't realize what you're looking at until all of a sudden things start to move and you realize entire trees are coated with these monarch butterflies they're hanging from every leaf every limb butterfly everything it's beautiful it's really really cool yeah to see them all so again that's the pismo state beach monarch butterfly grove if you're looking for a a day trip or an overnight weekend trip during this 
uh, Thanksgiving holiday to go check out the monarch butterfly. Very cool. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. We check love, it out. We love a monarch but- butterfly. Huge thank you to Rachel C., Martha D., Jim S., and Isadora L. for your ongoing contributions to the show. And Doug Koch with a $5 super sticker. Thank you for that. It's uh, It makes us feel really good. So thank you for, for contributing to the All show. All warm and fuzzy on the inside. All warm and fuzzy. So good. Like those pictures of the little kittens. You know how it yeah. is. Thank you guys for spending the hour with us here on the After Party Live. For a dollar Please. a day, you could sponsor Kim and John. Please click thank you, Pinky. But please click the like button for us and the subscribe button too if you can. And we will see you right back here tomorrow. Share the show on Facebook. Have a great afternoon, Kim. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye bye.